Here we go. You're listening to Sounds Good. The podcast that makes your sounds sound good. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Sounds Good podcast. In this episode we'll discuss some good uses for distortion. We will also briefly look at the long-awaited new Macintosh OS X version of Band in a Box and a multi-track Loopmasters download pack. But let us start with the subject of distortion. In sound, distortion is an alteration of the original waveform, or in other words, the output waveform is not equal to the input waveform. Distortion has a bit of a bad name. In lots of cases we are looking for as little distortion as possible. For instance, in hi-fi equipment we are always looking for the smallest THD, or total harmonic distortion. We also know that digital distortion can sound quite ugly. But clearly this isn't the whole story. After all, what do we mean when a tape-saturated recording sounds warmer than the original signal? Or why does an SSL console sound as good as it does? We can see these devices as some sort of distortion units as well. That's because the waveform that enters the system is changed or distorted before it leaves the system. To understand this better, we will first look at the theory of harmonics and overtones. Can we use both terms to indicate the same thing? Not exactly. And what's with even and odd harmonics? Let us start with a sine wave. Feel free to look at the pictures in this enhanced podcast because there will be images of a scope where we can see what we hear. A sine wave is a single oscillation that has just one frequency. In this case a middle A on the keyboard or 440Hz. This is also the concert A to which all instruments should be tuned. We can say that the fundamental frequency of this sine wave is 440Hz. There are no overtones which makes the sound kinda boring. If we were to introduce a low-pass filter to our signal, nothing much would happen until we reached 440Hz. Then the signal would simply decrease in volume until we reached 0Hz. Sine waves don't happen all that often in nature. It's much more common to hear complex waveforms where there is a fundamental frequency and lots of overtones. A square wave like the one you hear right now consists of a fundamental frequency and lots of odd-numbered overtones. In the case of a 430Hz square wave, the fundamental tone is 440Hz. The first overtone is 880Hz, the third overtone is 1760Hz, etc. Now wait, you might be thinking, I always learned that square waves were made up from even-numbered harmonics. This is exactly right. If we talk about overtones, there's a fundamental frequency followed by overtones. However, in harmonics the fundamental frequency is already the first harmonic. So for our square wave the first harmonic is 430Hz, the second harmonic is 880Hz, the fourth harmonic is 1760Hz, etc. Big difference. Don't confuse harmonics with overtones. So what happens if we add a low-pass filter to our square wave and gradually decrease the frequency? Why of course we gradually remove all the overtones until we end up with nothing more than a sine wave that's 430Hz. We can do the same thing with a sawtooth wave. 
This 440Hz sawtooth you're hearing right now has all integer overtones. That means a fundamental frequency of 440Hz, a first overtone at 880Hz, a second overtone at 1320Hz, a third overtone at 1760Hz, etc. They're all exact multiples of that fundamental tone of 440Hz. Add them together and you get a sawtooth wave. It's just nature. Again, if we low-pass filter a sawtooth, it gradually shapes into a sine wave again. That's because we remove all overtones with our filter. As we have heard now, overtones make a dull sound more interesting. It's generally agreed that we humans perceive odd overtones, or even harmonics, as pleasant. With this knowledge about overtones, we can now look at distortion in a new way. If our sound is a bit boring, like a sine wave, we can distort it in a pleasant way. That's odd overtones, or even harmonics if you prefer. Let's listen to it. Here's our sine wave. And now we gradually add distortion to it. We end up with something that's no longer a sine wave and obviously has lots of overtones. It sounds more complex than a sine wave with more character. We can now add a low-pass filter to our distorted sound that once was a sine wave. We find that the sound changes back into a sine wave if we slowly close our filter. So by introducing distortion into our signal, we add overtones, or stated in a different way, we add spectral information to our signal. This in turn makes the sound more interesting to filter so we can create more movement in our music. As we've seen, tube distortion sounds warm and pleasant. This is because tubes have a tendency to add odd-numbered overtones. Transistors on the other hand have a tendency to add both odd and even overtones. These even overtones, or odd harmonics, are harder for us to digest. They do add character to the sound, but maybe just a little too much character. Or just some bad character. There are lots of guitar players who prefer transistor-based distortion or overdrive, simply because they enjoy the aggressive nature of the sound. We can easily simulate this in Logic Studio. We start with a friendly acoustic guitar loop. Guitar, unlike a sine wave, already has lots of interesting, subtle overtones. But we don't want subtle, we want aggressive. We want odd and even overtones, and lots of them. If we choose the solid state stack preset in our channel strip, the same loop sounds like this. In this case, the Guitar Amp Pro plugin emulates the effect of solid-state electronics, or transistors to be more precise. What else can we do with distortion to make our audio endeavors sound better? How about the famous Aural Exciter? In Logic we already have a great sounding exciter. But say we don't have an exciter, can we build our own? Sure. An exciter adds harmonics at the top end of the spectrum. So all we need is a nice sounding distortion to create those overtones and a high pass filter. Let's see how that could work in Ableton Live 8. We're playing a drum loop and a musical loop on two channels. We let both our channels send to bus A where we will create our own exciter. 
on bus A we insert the saturator followed by an EQ8. For the saturator we choose a soft sign setting and make sure it's set at 100% wet, a typical setting for scent effects. For the EQ8 we enable only one high pass filter which starts at about 1kHz. First listen how the section sounds without excitement. Now with Exciter. So it should be obvious that from now on we can build our own array of Exciter plugins. Experiment with the frequency at which the high pass filter starts working for the best results. Another famous example of distortion is the reduction of bitrate or sample rate. In Logic Studio this effect is called the bit crusher, which we can find under the distortion effects. It's best applied in modern styles of music, especially the more electronic ones. For an example here's a hip hop loop I was working on. It sounded a bit too clean for my taste, so I added the bit crusher and the phaser to the piano to make it sound more ominous and dark. Let's listen to the piano in isolation. And now we add only the bit crusher effect to it. Obviously it sounds more digital than the original piano, but why does this effect work in certain situations? With our knowledge about overtones, this is easy to understand. The bit crusher distorts the waveform to make it more staircase shaped. Every step of the staircase acts as a tiny square wave, which as we know, consists of a fundamental frequency with lots of odd order overtones or even order harmonics. In other words, the bit crusher adds lots of nice sounding overtones to our signal. Even if you don't particularly like this effect, there's still part of your evolved human brain that still does. Again, we find that the bit crushed signal lends itself better to filtering than the original. Listen to a few examples. Another good example of distortion is lead synthesizer sounds. In Logic Studio we can start with an ESM sound like this. Add some overdrive in the settings of the ESM. And then even add a guitar amp plugin. This gives us a huge aggressive sound that's much better suited to EQing and filtering. As you may recall from our previous episode, I was working on an album with a singer. 
on one of the songs called I'm Gonna Kill You In Your Sleep, I use the lead synthesizer for the main riff. The lyrics deal with the subject of a girl who's seeking revenge on a man, so this was a typical situation where aggressive sounds were called for. Not only did I distort the lead synth, the drums are also slightly distorted for more aggressiveness. Let's listen to part of it and see if you can appreciate the use of distortion in this track. If you want to hear the entire track, it's for sale in iTunes. The artist is called Jennifer Delano. One company I can't recommend enough is TuneCore. Lots of people have asked me, how did you manage to put your record in the iTunes stores? And the answer is TuneCore. Via TuneCore, the album was added to the US and UK Amazon stores within three days, and one week later it was listed in just about all the international iTunes stores. It's also for sale on Rhapsody, Napster, IMVU, Shockhound, eMusic, LimeWire and Lala. And TuneCore isn't too expensive either. They even create ISRC and UPC codes if you don't have those. So if you're an independent artist seeking internet exposure, go check out TuneCore. They're also on Facebook and Twitter. I'm in no way affiliated to them, just a happy customer. If you want to check out an alternative company, there's of course CD Baby. Another thing that was a good experience was having our tracks mastered by a professional. I heard about Carl Saf mastering in the CD Baby DIY Musician podcast. If you haven't listened to the interview with Carl Saf, I highly recommend subscribing to this podcast and listening to all the back episodes. I'll put a link to the Carl Saf episode in the show notes. Not only was Mr. Seth very pleasant to work with, he also did some magic to our tracks. The songs we've created were of entirely different styles and lacked some coherence. Seth managed to make them sound more alike and not only in terms of perceived loudness. I asked him what would be the most important piece of the chain here and he answered I think the silkiness you're hearing is most likely my requisite audio L2M Mark III tube limiter though the massive passive was also in play and it surely didn't hurt. The requisite really does make just about anything sound better. This was the very first time I hired a mastering engineer and I will be sure to do this again on future occasions. Of course there are exceptions but I think personally I shouldn't try to wear too many hats at once. It's hard enough to produce and mix a song, let alone master it well. And to be sure it's not the gear. Carl Seff was an in-demand mastering engineer even before he owned the requisite audio L2M Mark III tube limiter. One thing I realized when I was mixing the Jennifer Delano album was that I should learn how to mix better. Here's two precious little tips if you're in a similar position. The first is a famous 2 DVD pack called Mix It Like A Record by Charles Dye. 
I've been postponing to order this DVD set for months, but now that I have it, I wish I had done so earlier. So much tips from someone who really knows what he's doing. It's amazing to see and hear Dai working on a track. There's all kinds of aha moments for us to experience while we see him go through the many stages of mixing a record. There's a link in the show notes where you can order the DVDs. The second tip. Computer Music Magazine recently put out a producer masterclass series. You can find all of these on YouTube if you've missed them. So simply do a search for producer masterclass and learn from the producers who create music all day long. I especially enjoyed the one by the Young Punks. Before you invest in new hardware or software, it's better to learn a few techniques for free. Lots of those wonderful sounds are more about distortion and filtering than anything else. I too am guilty of looking for progress in all the wrong places and I sometimes wonder if I shouldn't just stick to just one program and learn it inside out. There's two interesting sites that are rather new and very useful for musicians and music producers. They're called SoundCloud and MixCloud. You can create a free account on these sites and check out the various options you get for sharing your files and listening to the works of others. It sure looks like SoundCloud is becoming the Flickr equivalent for audio files. The interfaces of these sites are also very interesting. If you have an interest in online collaboration and putting your songs in the cloud, there's a good list of collaboration sites at musiccollaboration.blogspot.com. For my own album, I have made extensive use of one of my favorite programs, Band in a Box. I upgraded to the Windows version because back then it was the only version of Band in a Box that featured real tracks. This means your arrangement is constructed from bits and pieces played by real musicians based on the chords you've entered. In the background you can hear the instrumental version of one of the songs we've created for our album. There's even a saxophone solo in it, which has also been created by Band in a Box. Keep in mind that all the music you hear right now has been created by a machine, based on the chords, styles and tempo that I've entered. Band in a Box has many different styles of music for you to choose from, and it's easy to combine different styles too. But now for the good news, there's finally a new version with real tracks for OS X. The current version is called Band in a Box 2009.5, and there's a link in our show notes. If you need a complete band that plays jazz, pop, rock or country, definitely check out the demo videos at pgmusic.com. Band in a Box is an amazing way of making music, unlike anything I've ever heard before. 
I should probably do an entire episode on this program. Please let me know if this is of interest to you. Fun, baby. Loopmasters have not exactly been sitting still these past few months. There are tons of new and interesting releases. One package that I found particularly interesting is called Disco Drops. This selection of Loopmaster download packs is unlike any others because what we get here is excellent recordings of individual stems by drummer Keith LeBlanc. Keith LeBlanc started out as a session drummer for Sugar Hill Records, working with Grandmaster Flash and Melly Mel on classics such as The Message and White Lines. Keith goes back to his roots with 20 drum tracks of disco beats ranging from 106 to 137 beats per minute in multi-track format featuring separate kick, snare, head, toms, overheads, percussion and effects. That's more than 7 gigabytes of tape-saturated beats, recorded and mixed on a 1970s Neve console, analog tape, vintage microphones and outboard gear including multiple Pultec equalizers, Fairchild compressors, Ludwig and Gretsch kits were used. Yes, you heard it right, all the drums were recorded on analog tape. This package is yet another demonstration of distortion put to good use. Why do these files sound as good as they do? Well, of course, there's the experience of the performing artist. But there's also the slight distortion of the Neve console and the tape saturation that both can be seen as some sort of distortion. Pleasant sounding overtones were added during the production of drum drops because of the equipment used. These multi-track downloads are easy to use. All audio files start from the same point. Tempo mapped Pro Tools, Logic and Cubase session files are included. What you hear in the background is the 112 BPM session of this Loopmasters package. I simply opened the Pro Tools session in Pro Tools LE8 and there it is, 11 tracks of fantastic quality recordings. In this case the plate and the overheads are stereo tracks, all the other tracks are mono. We can solo a track. Change the volume of the EMT plate. You name it. The original click track is even available. The sessions are something like 3 minutes of disco drumming, so there's enough variation and fills for us to create quite interesting loops. Or we can use the entire stems beginning to end and repeat, move or delete sections to make our own arrangements. At any rate, this is a great way to use a perfect recording of a famous drummer in our own songs. There's an entire website dedicated to this project by Keith LeBlanc, which you can check out at www.drumdrops.com for more gear lusting and background information. New from Loopmasters is also Loop TV, the producer's channel, a brand new website with an amazing video podcast. Artist spotlights, interviews, the works. The July episode of the Loop TV podcast features an artist spotlight for Adam Freeland, of whom I've been a fan for a long time. And you can now follow Loopmasters on Twitter or become a fan of them on Facebook.
this concludes episode number 26 of the Sounds Good podcast. Of course, a lot has happened since the previous episode. We now have OS X Snow Leopard and Logic 9. This podcast has changed too. All the episodes, old and new, are now hosted by Mevio. So a huge thank you to Mevio for storage and bandwidth. And please let me know if you encounter any problems while downloading episodes. I sure hope to have a new episode available somewhat sooner than it took me to create this one, but hey, sometimes life gets in the way. Until next time and have a lot of fun doing whatever you're doing, and maybe you'll find some new applications for distortion in your own projects. And don't forget, a review of this podcast in the iTunes store is highly appreciated. Hi, my name's Paul and I'm the host of the Caffeine Nation podcast. A podcast that doesn't just deal with caffeine and technology as topics. They're more of a lifestyle around here. If you're like me and you can't get out of bed in the morning without that little cup of coffee. If you're like me and you need to know all the best and the greatest in uh, technology news from around the world and right next to you, then you need to tune in to the Caffeine Nation podcast. www.caffination.com Thanks and stay caffeinated.